Hello East Lansing and sports fans in the mid-Michigan area. My name is Lou DiVizio, and this week on The Pact, we'll be taking a look back on 2013, the inaugural year of the only sports talk show from Michigan State University. Up first, we'll take a listen to an interview from the show's fifth installment. Fino, myself, and the rest of the panel spoke with Lupe Izzo before MSU basketball's game against Kentucky in mid-November. We do have our second guest on the line. It's Mrs. Izzo. Let's welcome her to the Pact. You're live on the Pact. This is Fino. How are you? Hi. Thanks for having me today. Ah, no problem. Thanks for joining us, Mrs. Izzo. You're welcome. Of course. Do it. Yeah, for... Mrs. Izzo, how are you doing today? Hi, Faith. Great. Good. Hey, just... I know we got, thank you so much, number one, for coming on the show. I know it's a huge game tomorrow, so we just appreciate you coming on, and we cannot wait to talk to you. So just a few questions. I know um, you're so down-to-earth and so approachable. Do the guys on the team consider you their, like, second mom? Well, I think so. I think we've always taken the approach of our program being a family atmosphere, so, you know, but, yeah, they do, actually. Oh, I love that. Do you guys ever, like, get together for celebratory dinners after after big wins? Actually, the players are over a lot. They're over about once a week for dinner. And then with, when we have recruiting, they'll always come over for dinner then, too. I love so that. I see them a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you do. Well, Mrs. Izzo, this is Fino. And, you know, thanks for coming on. Um but, you know, like Faith mentioned, you know, the family atmosphere um, amongst, you know, the players, you know, how is it, you know, having, you know, your husband, Tom, you know, he's on the road in the season. How is it like, how is Tom like during the season? Is he, is he riled up at all? I can only imagine with such a big program. But how is he, you know, during the season versus the off season? Well, it's, he's really busy. It's constant recruiting and constant um, being with the players and practice. But there's so much more, too. He's, he's, he's a program guy, so he is involved with the other coaches and helping them recruit their players. And um, he does a lot of public speaking. Um, when he's off-season, it's still recruiting. He's got basketball camps. He's yep. got the um, recruiting when he takes off for about a whole month of July. You know that Stephen gets to go with him, and sometimes Rocky and I stop and visit him at a destination. Maybe if you know we can make it, if he's there for a long time. Um, but uh, we, to be honest, we only. Um, a week in May and a week in June, okay. as far as family time. Other other than that, it's he's constantly busy. I think that's probably why he's been so successful, is because he always is involved within our community and our university, as well as the program. Well, he's an unbelievable man, and there's a reason why that he has such a great stature at Michigan State, and I know so many individuals on this campus look up to him. He's a great man, so. Hello, Mrs. Izzo. This is Austin Goodman coming at you. 
Austin. Pleasure to meet you. So I actually did a little bit of uh, in-depth research on the beginning of the relationship of you and Mr. Izzo. So I saw online that your first date ever with Tom Izzo was that he took you to a... Well, he invited you to a Michigan State basketball game against Purdue. It's actually a Big Ten championship game. Do you have any recollection of this first date? Could you tell us about it a little bit? <laughs> I do. I remember. Um, I remember meeting Tom at a party, and honestly, I think he was with someone else, and I wasn't interested in him because he was dating someone else. So he called me and kept calling me, and I wasn't really... Well, I told him that I wasn't interested in dating someone who had a girlfriend. So um, he said, oh, well, she's really not a girlfriend. I said, mm-hmm, all right. <laughs> well, I don't, it's not what my, my friends are telling me. So, so kind of, I was kind of mean to him. <laughs> <laughs> and so one day uh, my sister-in-law, who works at the basketball program, said something to my mom. And, it was then when I was um, started talking to him because my mom told me to be nice to him, that she heard he was a nice person and that he was an upstanding guy and that I should give him a chance. So my mom never really interfered before, asked me at that time. I was, I was 35. Uh, I had my own business. I was kind of doing my own thing. So I listened to her, and I said, okay, well, I'll do my chance. So that's when he asked me if I would, well, he asked my sister-in-law, and she said, show these tickets to this game. Can't get them in town. He said, tell her to bring her boyfriend. (laughs) 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 So actually, I did bring a date, but at the time, it was my nephew who at the time was about eight years old and so he was my date for the game i love it unbelievable and that's when we started seeing each other from then on well, that's that's a definitely an interesting story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so my last and final question for you is uh, we all see Mr. Rizzo going on and staring up at these players, and he just has so much authority over them. He has so much reign over every single one of his players. Do you think you are the only person that can chop Tom Izzo down to size? I wouldn't put it that way, but I would say that I, because he is such a, a, an authority figure and well-respected and, you know, he... I think I'm the only one that can tell him the truth and not really set him straight, but at times just say, listen, I'm the only one that's going to tell you the truth. And either, you know, whatever the situation is, he, he does listen. So awesome. I guess if he's thinking, if I put him down the side, well, at least I'm going to be honest and he's going to listen. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Mrs. Izzo, this is Harry coming at you. Hi, Harry. So we're talking a lot about family. And a big story after you guys won that big national championship in 2000 was you guys actually gave your son, Stephen, the middle name Mateen, after Mateen Cleaves, the big point guard, who uh, was a monumental aspect of that championship team. 
So this year's team coming in hyped, ranked number two in the preseason. Let's say hypothetically they win a national championship. Do you guys have any tribute you guys would, would give to this team? Who would I name it after this team? Well, do you guys have any tributes? I feel like you, you might have to follow that up if we win another national championship. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you guys haven't thought That's about that at all? Question. You stumped me on that one. <laughs> yeah. And we actually had a, we actually had a, somebody tweet in at us. And a question from a, from a listener right now is, do you have a special ringtone on your phone for Tom? <laughs> No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hi, Mrs. Izzo. This is Lou DeVizio Hi. here. Hi. I was just wondering, you said that you have the players over a lot. You named your son's middle name Mateen. What, is there a player who really stands out that you grow, grew close to uh, who was coached under Tom? Uh, actually, I, I'd like to say that all my players are really special because I've gotten to know them all uh, on a really personal basis because there's not that many like there is in football. So I get to know them all. I get to know their families, their grandparents, their siblings. I get to know them all. But if there was one player, I would have to say right now that it would be Edong Ibak. He was a Nigerian player that has... Um, that played under Tom, and he, because Nigeria, his hometown, his home state, his own country, he's not able to come home. He's never, he hasn't seen his mom in 12 years. Wow. So we've basically adopted, um, we call him ID, and he is, I guess, I, I, I've gotten to the point where I say he is really my son. He's lived with us off and on when he was going to Europe. He came back, he um, got a job in Detroit, got a job in Grand Rapids, that's where he is now. He um, take, He's a, going for his master's at Michigan State, so I see him every Thursday night. He comes home, we have dinner, we get to visit, uh, I do his laundry, <laughs> I feed him, <laughs> I send him home with, you know, baked goods. Until I see him again next week, we talk on the phone. So I would think that it's Ivy. He's been a a huge part of our lives for 12 years. You mentioned he had a job in Grand Rapids. What's he up to in Grand Rapids? He works for uh, Spectrum. Okay. That's great that you you guys are helping these players transition after (laughs) playing with uh, Tom at MSU. Now, I know you mentioned Tom's also a big program guy and how MSU is kind of like a family. Who do you know within the MSU athletic organization or outside of the athletic organization, for that matter, who you've really grown grown close to over the years? Well, you know, the Hollises are really close to friends, and, uh, you know, his wife, Nancy, is a really good friend of mine. As as so is Dean he's gotten very close to them. It's the... The head, you know, some of the head coaches and their wives and their assistants where, you know, we're the only ones that know how it feels, you know, to be a position of wins and losses. And kind of, you know, that's kind of how we live our lives. It's sad to say, but that is our jobs and we have to, we have to produce to keep our jobs. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So I think, um, 
uh, Will Wojak is one of my assistant coaches last year. Her husband now is in, um, he was in Tulsa. He's now in the College of Charleston. And we're really good friends. Um, I, I know a lot of the head coaches throughout the country from the many years of going and being in Final Fours and coaches meetings and different associations that I am a part of with the Y. So there's really a big fraternity of friends that I've made over the years. That's great. Now, heading in, uh, let's change the topic here now to this year's team. I know there's a lot of expectations following around this team this year, and I'm sure they're pretty tough on Tom right now. Have you noticed any have they been getting to him? Is the pressure uh, on Tom, or is he keeping even keel? You know what? No. Um, you know, there is nothing or nobody that puts pressure on Tom as much as he puts on himself. So to me, it's like normal. This is the way his he, he um, runs the program, the run the way he runs his life, the one the way he has the relationships with the people around him, with his coaches and his players. He just has a winning kind of um, personality, and I don't see any different from a time where we maybe lost early in the tournament to when we've gone really far into the tournament. He's just constantly a, you know, a really hardworking guy. And you can totally see that over all the success he's had in his career. And going into such a big game like tomorrow, do you guys, like, what is the feeling at the Izzo household? Are there any specific routines you guys go through before game? Um, what did you ask me, Faith? Going into such a big game, what is it like in the Izzo household? Are there any specific routines you guys have before game time? Well, there's not really routine. We're just really anxious for the game. We're, we're excited about it. We count them down. You know, oh, my God, you know, like Kentucky. Oh, my God, we're playing Kentucky. We <laughs> them, you know, um, you know. after he beat us in recruiting, you know, this year, it's just, you know, something that we want so bad. Of course. So I, I'm actually going to go to the game. I'm going tomorrow. I'm hopefully take my son Steven with me because we're just going there and back. That It's that special to us. We want to be there. Absolutely, and we wish you the best of luck. Thank you. Well, Mrs. Izzo, um, we really appreciated your time here on The Pack. We would love you to come back and even uh, come on the show again or even uh, check out our studio uh, in Holden Hall. But, um, I'd, love, I'd love that. Thank uh, you. Oh, of Thank course. Me anytime. Well, we love the stories you shared with us and your listeners. They all appreciate it. We wish um, you and Tom and, of course, Michigan State the best of luck this season. And, of course, go green uh, tomorrow night against Kentucky. You're listening to Impact Exposure. Hey, what floor are you going to? <clears throat> oh, uh, three. Thanks. 
Hey, didn't we uh, have... Yeah, that one class. Yeah, that's so funny to, <laughs> to see you, because I <coughs> thought maybe we could... Uh, would you ever want to... Um, I was wondering if you, if I could stick my finger in your eye. What? No. Oh, I just flushed some toilets and touched a doorknob. What? I've been keeping this moist Kleenex Ew, in my pocket. That's uh, so gross. I thought we could, you know, just stick my finger Ugh. in your eye. Is that weird? No, don't touch me. What's wrong with you? Oh. Sorry. Well, ever since you got in the elevator, you've been coughing all over your hands and pressing those buttons, so I just thought you were into that kind of thing. Free. Studies show that three-quarters of women and only half of men actually wash their hands in the bathroom. That's nasty. Stop the flu and other germs by regularly washing with soap and avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Or at cdc.gov slash clean hands. Impact 89 FM. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. From 10 p.m. until midnight Sunday nights, listen to the Impact Afterglow, where you can hear a variety of relaxed tracks to help you ease into the start of a new week. Only on Impact Primetime. Now back to Impact Exposure. Welcome back to The Pact. Last week on our holiday edition of the show, we focused on MSU athletes giving back to the community. Harry and Faith were privileged enough to have former MSU and NFL running back T.J. Duckett join them in the studio and discuss his philanthropic work. Take a listen. We have a special guest who snuck in studio here with us, actually. T.J. Duckett, welcome to the pack. What's up? What's up? What's up, Impact? <laughs> not much. Thank you so much for coming in, T.J. We did not expect that. No! We are yeah. completely thrown off guard, so... This is awesome. This is awesome. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. You know, TJ, you're a former MSU running back. You played back in 1999 to 2001. Yeah. And then you went to the NFL. Yeah. Played for the Atlanta Falcons, Washington Redskins, Detroit Lions, and the Seattle Seahawks. And you're back in East Lansing now, making a huge difference in many people's lives. Yeah, I am. I love it. It feels great to be back. (laughs) We're so grateful to have you back. So thank you so much for coming on. And, you know, for our listeners... TJ is very, very philanthropic in the area and around the world, it seems like. Um, one of your biggest things is you've started the New World Flood. So explain yeah. a little bit of that to us. Uh, New World Flood, flooding the world through giving and service. A single raindrop is the beginning of a flood. Uh, I, I am the rainmaker <laughs> of New World Flood. And uh, what we do is, I mean, it's very simple. We, we go to schools and we talk to kids about volunteering, about getting involved in the community. We have a program that's called the Flood Relief or Disaster Relief, Drought Relief, and that's where we go and we try to impact players that were or uh, impact places that were hit by a disaster or cancers, a, a, a disaster in families, mm-hmm. different illnesses. We also train people how to be volunteers, and then we have a outreach in uh, Africa and Tanzania. So uh, all the things you mentioned, playing football, having the experience to make it to the NFL, all that was great. And it was phenomenal, and I loved every minute of it. <laughs> but I realized that there's life after, and, and now it's a huge platform. And, and the way that you spend your platform and the way you do it, it really helps change lives. No, absolutely. And I know you touched on it a little bit. You said, you know, you're helping, like, those like hurricane relief. Yeah. I know I was reading something back in, like, 2011. You were actually helping in Kalamazoo. You were, like, having people collect gift yeah. gifts for the Hurricane Sandy victims. Yeah, we uh, we actually we it was Kalamazoo here. It was all all over the uh, 
uh, Midwest, Mid- West Michigan, I should say. <laughs> um, but we ended up filling up about five 50-foot trailers wow. and sending stuff. Uh, and, and again, I mean, the, the purpose behind that is a disaster hit, and we're all fellow Americans. They're all exactly. our people. So you don't have to be uh, there miles away. If, if we can put something together and it works, let's try to help support over there. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was talking <laughs> about this earlier with athletes that do have success. You had a phenomenal career. I remember watching you. I grew up in East Lansing, so watching you throughout your MSU career. I know you stopped at the Atlanta Falcons had a great career over there. Yeah, that was fun. Do you ever find it tough to tell kids who are so invested in sports to think about the academic side? You can have both, and they can sit there and say, well, you made it. Yeah. Is that tough for you to do ever? Um, no, it's not. I mean, actually, when I got done playing, I went through a depression for about two years. Really? Trying to figure out. I mean, I, I put 29 years of my life yeah, that's true. into one thing. Mm-hmm. And how many people can say that they reached their childhood dream, mm-hmm. which was to be an NFL player? Most people are like, okay, yeah, what's your second dream? What's next? Yeah. Where are you going to work? No, I actually achieved my dream. I reached it. And then at 29, I'm done. It's like, okay, now what do I do in life? What's what? life about? Yeah. And so when you go and you, you share information about academics, about life after, about volunteering, about being an entrepreneur, with, with student athletes especially, it's, it's real. Because, I mean... Yeah, I, I did everything these guys are doing, these girls are doing. But there's there's going to be something after. And if you can start to prepare your mind and prepare your skills for what happens next, I mean, that that's ultimately the greatest battle. Yeah, yeah. And in your experiences throughout your trials and tribulations, what is the most glaring to need in today's communities? And how do we... How do we go about, what do we do to address that? Man, there's so many. I'm going to tell <laughs> yeah, you what. No, there are. The most glaring need is love. Yeah. Bottom line. It's just love. love. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's what we need. Love for your neighbor. Love for yourself. We need to figure out how to love ourselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the biggest thing. I, you can say there's hunger issues. You can say right now with the ice storm, there's power you need. Yes. I mean, you can say all <laughs> these things. But ultimately, it's just love love and forgiveness and you start there then your eyes and your mind will be open to what the need around you is and what you can actually do we all can't lift buildings but we can maybe call a couple friends and we all can do it together but you have to have some type of love for it so Love. Love your neighbor. Yes. It's easy. Yes, it's easy, right? Yeah, it is. For sure. <laughs> and you have this such infectious, generous personality. And like, oh, it's so great to see that. And I spoke to several people who actually know you personally, and they were just saying that you would give everything to help another person in need. And just where did you get this generous spirit? Because um, you were I saying mean, after the NFL. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I got to give it to my parents, first of all, because... At the end of the day, we are product of our, our parents. We, no matter how far you stray from what they said or <laughs> you don't believe what they said, at the end of the day, you'll sit there and you'll be like, what did, what did my mom say? What did my dad say? <laughs> uh, so I'll say that's where it started. And then to to build, I guess I could say like this. My parents started it, and that's who, where my foundation was. Mm-hmm. But then to look at religious, spiritual figures in the world, and that helped believe usually it's the opposite usually your parents reinforce what the, the, yeah. the, the spiritual and religion actually they actually reaffirmed what my parents said yeah. um so it's having that happen and then just looking at the world as a whole and and in a, in a football locker room you have you have maybe 55 to 80 guys on your team you have 11 on offense 11 on defense you all live in different places have different backgrounds you all have different habits but you have to figure out how to come together on one play to get a first down (laughs) (laughs) and so everything has to be out the window so to go into society and figure out okay we are 
different races, religious beliefs, different gender, all these things. How can we come together to figure out one thing? And I saw it as a struggle and I saw it as a battle. And that was kind of like my motivation. I got, we got to figure out how to make this happen. So yeah. I still, I still, that's my path still. It's wonderful. Yep. And through, let's, let's, let's take this another step yeah. through your athletic achievements, your charitable efforts, efforts. <laughs> what has been the biggest, what event, singular event has had the biggest impact on you as a person? As a human being, as a football player, yeah. as a student, whatever you define yourself as, what what I'm, singular event impacted you? I'm the gonna most? tell you the single my single thing was after I got done playing football, mm-hmm. I went through a depression. Yes, like you said, yeah. I went on a 40 day fast of just water. Wow, 40 days, 40 nights How? of I water. I think about food all the time. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that that was that was like my that was my second my defining moment as a man. Yeah, um, that was. I mean, I had everything money could buy. I had everything you could possibly want. People knew who I, I had everything you could want, but I didn't have a sense of who I was. Exactly. So, I mean, again, doing a lot of spiritual research, I deprived myself of the things of this world and yeah, yeah. <laughs> tried to create who I was. And you realize all that other stuff is just, it's yeah, it's just yeah. mirrors and, and smoke and all the above, you know, and I mean... Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. That's that's crazy. And what on that forty day fast? That's unbelievable. Yeah, it was crazy. That's that's mental discipline right there. It's everything, man. It's mentally, it's spiritually, it's emotionally. I mean, it 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 really. I mean, it it was tough. Yeah, Um, for sure. Lost a lot of. I mean, put it this way: it took me twenty nine years to build the NFL body. It took me forty <laughs> days. <laughs> like, yeah, immortal. Yeah, that's awesome. You that's know what awesome. I'm saying? Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. and 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 um, a lot of people didn't recognize me, <laughs> so I got to feel how I was really being treated too. Mm-hmm. It, it, I mean. Mm-hmm. They didn't see this TJ football player. Exactly. They saw a person, and at, I go by Todd now instead of TJ. Nice. Because it's a, it's 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 I'm, it's a new I'm a new person. Yeah, yeah, completely, completely. And did you have that forty days lined up, or did you um, did you just say I've realized it, and then you started eating at that moment, or what? It uh, what it, was that? it kind of, it was a journey, man. It, yeah. was, it was really. I mean, I did a lot of like I said, looking at. I mean, I would study great running backs, Walter Payton, Jerome Bettis, mm-hmm. and study what mm-hmm. they do. What do they do? How do they train? And so, going into the next life, I had to believe that I was more. So I studied great human beings, Jesus, okay. Muhammad, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, Moses. Yeah. I started looking. What did they do? And it was yeah. like, man, they, these guys. That's what it's about. Yeah, I mean, because sure. the be honest you looked at some of the workouts like Walter Payton did I mean like that'll kill you (laughs) and and I was like for myself how was I willing to put my body through something like that Mm -hmm. for a game but I wasn't willing to do it for humanity exactly and not only humanity but yourself myself I mean because I mean and and with football football even though you have a passion to play Ultimately, other people enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, yep. you you got to love what you're doing. But in the, the day, there's eighty, hundred thousand people mm-hmm. who are just as excited because you had a good play. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So now take that out, and now can you get that many people excited to help volunteer? Mm-hmm. Can mm-hmm. you do something that's impactful that inspires in a giving in a loving manner? Can you do that? Yeah. And yeah. that was the question. <laughs> I had to figure the answer. Mm-hmm. And do you do you find it tough? I guess to change yourself like that to kind of turn turn beliefs that have set in for 29 years and habits 
like you talked about in the locker room, habits. Your this guy lifestyle. got some good questions over man, here. He, he's pretty <laughs> awesome. I get to work with him every week, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, that seems so tough it to was. me. Just it completely was. changing the way man. you think, the way you believe, your your mindset. It, 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 it was because I was becoming a new person, mm-hmm. and I wasn't hanging out with my same friends. People exactly. I've known forever, yeah. and it's like, man, well, I don't call you anymore yeah because i mean you hang out with people you have in co- things yeah. in common with and you probably don't share those no, same I mean, things in common it, gets, with them. it was lonely i mean it mm-hmm. is lonely it gets lonely because because it's not the norm i mean mm-hmm. it's not what society society says you should go do this yeah society is completely you, you start to sense, yeah. you start to create your own path and when you're creating your own path you doing things that you just maybe have never done but in the mm-hmm. in the same time you start to link up with other people who are doing similar things who are on that same journey and then you look to your left and right like man we like the same yeah. uh, who are you yeah. <laughs> what's yeah. your name I yeah, mean, for sure. I mean and, and, and it happens and you can't be scared to do those things mm-hmm. yeah no doubt all right, I do have a question. I gotta ask. Yeah. You got the beard going on, no and I know <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> but I know back in two, you started it in two thousand five, but you ended up actually growing out your beard for the same Baldrick's Children's yeah. Cancer Foundation. Yeah. And do you do that? Because I know, like, you grow it out the whole season, and then yeah. you shave it off at the end. I still do it. Okay. But, but see, I, I do it for I do it now. It's different. Before I would do it, and I would do it throughout from training camp to the, to March, whatever St. Baldrick's Day was. And the money would go to help the cancer research for the organization. Mm-hmm. Now I do it with like el- like middle school, high school, and elementary students, <laughs> and I do it for the profit to go to the Olin Project. So taking it from a national charity and bringing something that's home, uh, the Olin Project, they take pictures of men, women, and children going through chemo. Uh, my mother passed from cancer in 2000, so cancer's really affected my life. So yep. to be able to have an organization that take someone who is, is going through a tough time in their life and make them feel good for a moment and capture that moment. And then, I mean, if the person survived, it's a memory of, of a rough time. If they pass, it's a keepsake. Yep. Um, so that's what I do now. It's a challenge. It's called the Jacqueline, Bar- Jacqueline Barum Challenge. Can I get my mother's mind uh, <laughs> in the name right? right, right. <laughs> but uh, it's uh, now, and we've done it uh, probably going on the fifth year now right. here. And it's a challenge to get high school, junior high, elementary students, different schools to partner up. And it's an easy point system. And whatever school wins and has the most kids volunteer, then at the end we do the cut there. We have a party awesome. there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a big deal. I mean, high school and that, that age is such a time that kids rely on self-image mm-hmm. and they have someone at that age give up their self-image for like two or three months powerful absolutely yeah. and i know you kind of mentioned your mom a little bit i know you have a tattoo of her right yeah yeah yep. Boom. there you Tied go on the gun Boom. Signature i know yeah it was off of a library card i found really yeah oh my gosh that's so cool yeah it's kind of sweet i'll show it to you after no i do want to ask though how has you know, her life, like, inspired you, obviously, to move forward with all of this philanthropic yeah. efforts that you're already doing. Yeah, she, I'm huge. I mean, like yeah. I said earlier, that's that's the, the core. I mean, the foundation, they really bring you in this world. And, um, I mean, I just, I, I got married a little while ago. What's up, Robin? How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and we uh, we just had our first child. Yeah, I was going to ask, yeah, how's yeah, the blessing, right. especially? Yeah. Cassius, what's up, little homie? Cassius. <laughs> I'm guessing that's after Cassius, Muhammad Ali? Cassius King. Yeah, that's his, oh, that's his name. Oh, my gosh. Cassius that's, King. That's cool. After Muhammad Ali, yep. Cassius Clay, yep. and uh, Martin Luther King. Amazing. Um, but now I'm seeing this little light. 
life, and he's three months yesterday. Happy birthday, or happy three months, yeah. homie. <laughs> but but to see that and to know the importance of being a parent and what's that mean, and and to be able to shape a child when they do. Leave, whenever the parent does pass because you never know mm-hmm. whenever that happens to be able to shape that child and let them know that they can go off and be a responsible adult I mean I just I can only imagine what my mom was doing with yeah. me yeah. <laughs> to be like man you know I'm gonna get you right enough that when you're 18 I can leave the world and you can enter this crazy crazy stuff mm-hmm. and then come out of it alright so I mean it, it was definitely um, that's what I think about daily and the fact that I got her signature on me it's in, in a place that kind of her, I figured you know, she signed <laughs> yeah, her signature it. on me. <laughs> Sign it me up, it. coach. Yep. <laughs> yep. And you talk so much about your mom, but how long did it take you to? Because I, I personally, my mom got Alzheimer's when she was very young. She was about yeah. 50, and she developed Alzheimer's, and it was a tough time for me. It was in high school. You talk about self-image. Yeah. A lot of things are going through high schoolers' mind. That was just another thing on my plate. But you were, your mom died when you were in college? Oh, my freshman year. Your Jay, freshman year. My March year. was my freshman so, year. How long did it take you to really come to terms with that being an athlete? I know you're always looking to the next game. What's yeah. next? How like to sit back and reflect? That's reflect. That's you know, not in um, an, an athlete's DNA. How, how long not, did it take? Uh, you? <laughs> not at all. It you're was, looking to the next game. Uh, to be honest with you, I it was my fuel when I played. Yeah, yeah. So I would I would really block it out in the mm-hmm. off season mm-hmm. and wouldn't even think about it. It was what it was. But come game day. Come training time, mm-hmm. I, that's, it starts to that's creep into my head. And it's yep. like, okay, this is where that you can hide that rage. And, yeah. and that way it, I had a place to, to let it out. Tell it positively but, rather than. But yeah. when I got done playing and no longer having the game mm-hmm. as my release, that's when I kind of went into a dark place and I had to figure it out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, asking myself a lot of stuff. questions, a lot of praying, a lot of meditating. Mm-hmm. And then once I dealt with it, I mean, I realized we all are going to be here for a little while then mm-hmm. our time is going to be gone so what type of impact can you have on a person mm-hmm. while you're here and she impacted me so tremendously in 18 years but still the stuff that I do to this day is because of what she put into me so she's still impacting people to this mm-hmm. day to these to everything I do exactly, exactly. And, and so it's it's something that you never leaves you and, and when the time's up hopefully my son Cassius will be impacting <laughs> yeah, people's yeah. lives and if yeah. so he'll be having little me and her him and <laughs> little of his grandma he never met but it'll yeah. be all all the same mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. awesome to hear and I do want to ask because I know this was you know pretty recent just for Thanksgiving but you ended up donating 250 turkey dinners yes, to we are. Kalamazoo families who yes. needed it the most we are uh, actually it was called the High Five Turkey Drive okay. and it was myself along with a, a New World Flood and a couple other organizations we helped raise enough funds for 1300 turkeys we gave oh. 250 away here in Lansing at, at, at an event we gave another 250 away wow. in, in uh, Kalamazoo we gave some to some organizations here in town, so we were able to spread the love. And, and it was this this it was a community that did this. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just money out of my pocket saying let's do. It, mm-hmm. it was m- people all over the community giving five dollars, giving ten, giving twenty, all of us together. And that's the whole our new world flood, a single raindrop. It was each individual person providing their own raindrop, just that one. And over time, that raindrop became a flood, which became a flood of Thanksgiving turkeys, mm-hmm. which provided meals. <laughs> and, and see, the thing that that's so inspiring to me 
is that they were providing meals, but ultimately Thanksgiving is about a memory. Yep. I mean, it's it's the person cooking the food, it's watching the game, it's exactly. laying it's on the, the couch full. <laughs> I mean, it's exactly. family come. So, yep. so not only do they just provide the meals, they provide a memory for a family that normally wouldn't have had this memory, wouldn't have had this chance. Yep, yep. And I got to ask about the New World Flood. Where did you come up with that name? Because, yeah. like, who, if it was you, if it was your friend, you need to pay that man some money because <laughs> it's the perfect name. It it's makes so, so sweet, much. It makes so much sense. Like, when did you come up with that and how? Actually, the way I look at it, it's a new world. It's me. It went from the old world Mm -hmm. of football, of that lifestyle, to a new world, a new me. This is the new giving, Mm -hmm. serving, different aspects. So that's where that comes from. And the flood really comes from a few things. I mean, again, was was going through a lot of the the research and of my spiritual research. And after the, after a flood, things are different. Mm-hmm. Um, so one person volunteering after giving, I mean, that's one thing that mm-hmm. creates a flood. Yeah. And after the flood comes, it's, it, you've impacted someone completely different. You've impacted the world different. Mm-hmm. You've moved out trash and you've stored the ground for new growth. Mm-hmm. So if, if people can come together and volunteer and give and serve, now you're creating that flood. When you leave, hopefully you've inspired someone. You've helped someone's life. You've motivated. So the flood comes, washes away, and creates a new. Yeah, for sure. New for world sure. flood. Flood the world to give us earth. Yeah, it happened with you personally. And <laughs> so I think incredible. It would be awesome if that happened to this world. We're so focused on competition. Oh my gosh. It will. So focused on one, everything. One drop at a time, man. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And all snow is this frozen range. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> These broken trees, <laughs> man. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I read actually a great quote that you had said to somebody, and it was 15 minutes or half an hour can really change a person life yeah and it like you said like one drop at a time every little step we make gets us somewhere else and yep. like you said you know with the new world flood you're teaching these kids to go out into not only their schools their towns their cities and eventually the world to yep. change lives that's it it's amazing and and, and one of the things that kind of helped came up come up with this was um there's this game i played in at michigan state it was against michigan and I caught the final uh-huh. pass. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right? Uh-huh. Of course. I remember, I remember that. Right? I remember but that. the thing yes. is, so many people remember one second. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One mm-hmm. second. Imagine the impact that one second had. Yep. I mean, people were excited. People were pissed off. Hopefully they weren't <laughs> rioting, for, right? For one, exactly. <laughs> but for one second, and I, look, I think all the games that I played in, add all those minutes and hours up, mm-hmm. this one second that... A lot defined. of people will remember. Exactly. And defines. so that one minute of that one second of the football now translate that one second into real life. So Of course. Mm-hmm. Now I do have to ask Rose Bowl predictions. What? Do I gotta even say there's only one way I believe, <laughs> man? Yes, sir. Do I like to hear have me singing up here. Yep. Yeah, no, I can't wait. I think it's gonna be a great game. I'm really looking forward to it and so excited. Yeah, we're looking pretty good and we're playing tough. MSU football is having one of their best seasons in program history. In honor of their historic year, we're going to close out the show with the panel's discussion of the team after their Big Ten championship win, and we'll tune into an exclusive interview with the wife of the Big Ten Coach of the Year, Becky D'Antonio. Here's Fino. Guys, do you smell that? Because Fino's smelling the roses, and Mm. it's an awesome feeling to be a Spartan. It really is. What a victory against Ohio State. Michigan State controlling the game. 34-24. 34-24. They shut Ohio State out for in a quarter for the first time all season. Ohio State with a 24-game win streak. Urban Meyer never losing as a head coach. He finally loses. Michigan State takes him down. And I swear, I saw a smile from Mark D'Antonio. And he was gloating. And 
It was just some type of way for this Michigan State <laughs> team to get another victory. And they got their 12th victory and their program-leading historical 12th victory for Michigan State. They have never won more than 12 games in a season, and they get it done on Saturday. And they looked great, guys. And here's another thing. Second highest ever watched Big Ten football game. I think there were said there were about 7.5 million people tuned into the Big Ten Championship. It was a great game to watch, whether if you were in Indianapolis, here in East Lansing, hopefully not burning anything. <laughs> uh, but uh, it was just great to watch. And like I said, I'll keep reiterating, guys, to be a Spartan. It's very proud. So for the university, I know we take a third-party objective perspective on our team, but this is one moment where we can take and analyze our club and analyze our team and analyze our school to be proud. And it really is a proud moment. But let's kind of dissect this game a little bit. We do have guest Becky D'Antonio calling in from the Spartan Banquet at 710. So we'll kind of talk with her at, at that time. So about seven minutes, really, not necessarily to kill, but to talk about this game. And mainly, Harry, I kind of loved what I saw of the Michigan, this Michigan State team. They looked great. They looked efficient. And defense played better than ever. I think it was their best defensive performance all season long, given the circumstances. Definitely, definitely. Um, coming out, starting off the first quarter, not allowing a point. Ohio State was actually the highest scoring first quarter team in the FBS. MSU shuts them down, kind of set the tone, and allowed their offense to get ahead. And that's when the belief really started going. You really saw the guys, their eyes lit up. They realized, oh, this Ohio team isn't isn't that big and bad. They're, they're two in the nation, but we should be right up there with them. And they proved it. They stuck with them. Even when Ohio State punched back, we came back with, with more effort and shut them out. They shut them out. And, you know, the thing with Ohio State was this is a very dominant team. And I know Fino is always, I don't want to say a pessimist, but I didn't think Michigan State had this dominating performance in them. And that's not a hatred for what Michigan State has done all year. They've now officially beat every Big Ten team they faced this year by 10 points or more. No team in the Big Big Ten has ever done that. So that's very historical for Michigan State. It's their second you know, Big Ten title. Last time they won the Big Ten title was 2010. They won it this year in 2013. It's their second divisional title. Last time they won the Legends division was 2011. So a year full of accolades, Austin Goodman. And this team just performed. What did you like out of the game, out of this Michigan State team? You know, first of all, congratulations to the members of the football team and the coaching staff. Knocking off a number two team is a feat in and of itself. But beating a team that hasn't been beaten in two years, it's an honor to call myself a student here at Michigan State University. So, MSU won the game 34-24. Connor Cook had a stellar game. 24 for 40, 304 yards, three touchdowns, one really bad interception. That happens. Jitters of a game, big game, Big Ten championship. I think Connor Cook really came to play this week. He did. And I think what Austin, you know, didn't mention, Connor Cook with the MVP performance. And this is, I think, the best performance we've ever seen out of Connor Cook. Austin did mention the interception, which he failed to look off one of the DBs, the defensive backs. But he threw a pick. Good bite in by Bennett. Came in and really, or Garnett, I believe it was, yeah. He came in and really bit and bait that route. And it really was a good route. But you know what? It was picked off. Absolutely. And looking past that, Jeremy Langford. Everybody needs to stand up and give this guy a round of applause. He has had an amazing season. He ran in for a key touchdown late in the game. He ran the ball 24 yards with 128, or 24 times with 128 yards. Yeah. Great numbers, great game. 
from both of those players. I mean, great game from this Michigan State team. You know, we just mentioned, okay, that pick that Barnett had on Connor Cook, but despite that, it didn't face Connor Fave. He played very well, 24 for 40, as Austin mentioned, 304 yards, career highs for him, three touchdowns, MVP performance, Jeremy Langford, 24 carries, scampers for 128. He has that touchdown, as Faith mentioned, the nail in the coffin. It was the nail in the coffin, but, like, if you go back, we're thinking Connor Cook, I know during the game when I was watching, I was thinking Connor Cook needs to stop throwing off his back foot. That's when MSU was kind of losing it in the second and third quarter because it ultimately was a three-section game. MSU dominated offensive and defensively in the first quarter. They held they held OSU, and second and third quarter, we had Braxton Miller out there on the field a lot. And I know that was one of Michigan State's, one of their things that they did not want to do is have Miller on the field because ultimately... Miller got them back in the game off his running game. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, Fate. And Fate mentioned it. Mark D'Antonio, Coach D's plan this game was, look, we want to limit the amount of time that Braxton Miller and his Ohio State offense has the football. And in that first quarter, they were really dominating the time of possession battle. And if you look at the overall statistics for the game, Michigan State holds the football for a total of 31 minutes, 51 seconds. Versus 32 Ohio- minutes. 32 minutes, 51 seconds versus Ohio State's 27 minutes and 9 seconds. So if we look at it, Harry, and we look at it, Lou, and we look at it, Austin, we look at it, Faith. It was a great, I'm t- getting everyone involved here. <laughs> you really look at the performance, and Lou, it was a dominating performance for this Michigan State team. Everything clicked, I think. It absolutely was. Uh, bringing it back to Jeremy Langford. This is his eighth consecutive 100-yard rush game. And for the first time in 12 games, OSU allowed a 100-yard rush game. Those are pretty incredible stats for uh, Langford personally. And I think probably the most important thing or the most telling thing from this past game was they went up 17-0, yes. But then they allowed 24 straight points, and it didn't seem to phase him. Connor Cook had the interception, didn't seem to phase him. He played snap to snap, and he's really showing the level of maturity that he's been gaining throughout the course of this season. And you said he probably played his best game. It's starting to seem like every single game, every next game we see Connor Cook play, is probably going to be his best game. And that's just the way that his trajectory is going, and it's incredible to watch. I think the incredible thing for me about Jeremy Langford is the, se- the overall season he has had. If you would have told me, Fino, he's going to have about 1,300 yards rushing, 17 rushing touchdowns, I would tell you you're lying because what they've gotten from Jeremy Langford losing such a big piece of their offense, Le'Veon Bell, he has fit, he's fit in like a glove. Don't tell O.J. Mayo, but the glove does fit. And he looked very well in this performance. Jeremy Langford looked outstanding all game. Connor Cook was outstanding faith. And I think if you're this Michigan State team, you have a lot to be proud of because Stanford, if I'm Stanford, I'm looking at this game, the Cardinal need to be scared because Michigan State's on a mission. And guess what? If the playoffs started this year... MSU isn't smelling roses. They're smelling national titles. <laughs> I like that smell. <laughs> but like Lou was saying a little bit, the maturity, that reversal from the second and third quarter, Michigan State coming back, it shows a great level of maturity. They, don't, they didn't give up when Narduzzi came back down on the field. Really inspired these guys to pump up. Let's go. We can win. And so, like you said, Langford with that incredible run up the middle at the fourth quarter, that was the nail in the coffin. It really was the nail in the coffin, as Faith mentioned, Harry. It was that scamper. I think it was a 24-yard run, 26 actually, by Jeremy Langford. That really sealed the deal. And I think if you're Urban Meyer, you really knew it. That was it for him. And that was the lasting moment for me. If I'm Urban Meyer, he, that's why he was eating that <laughs> DiGiorno pizza or whatever it was. 
and that's pretty set, you know, yeah. set in stone for him. Yeah, you get that DiGiorno pizza, pizza when you get out coached. A lot was said about about Urban Meyer and his 24-game win streak, but D'Antonio and Narduzzi outcoached him. Braxton Miller and Carlos Hyde were almost averaging seven, seven yards a rush, and for some reason Braxton Miller threw the ball 21 times and only averaged five yards per attempt. So they got away from the run game. I feel like that's, that's what cost them the game, honestly. They, we weren't stopping them in the run, and they tried, kept on trying to throw it, and it just didn't work out for them. It didn't work out. Braxton Miller was 8 for 21 that game, 101 yards, and, you know, it just was a dominating performance. But... As we promised our listeners, we do have our special guest on the pact here. We're privileged to welcome the wife of Mark D'Antonio, coach of Michigan State football team, Becky D'Antonio, to the show. So welcome to the show, Mrs. D. How are you? I am great. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> oh, it's a pleasure to have you on the pact. I know everyone here is very excited. And I mean, what a weekend to be a Michigan State spar. And I know it was actually you know, quite funny. We were joking here at the studio that your husband was laughing. He was cracking a smile. And he had been really proud of his team. You know, he has worked, he and his staff have worked so hard to get to this point. And um, by the time you start playing the game on Saturday night, they've already done so much preparation and they have already game planned. And I think they can just go out there and do what they've been working for so hard. And so I think it was just a really a good, great time for them to get out there and play football and have some fun. I mean, it definitely they were having some fun. You know, your husband was laughing. You mentioned all the hard work. And, you know, if you look on the practice field, the picture of the roses, I mean, it's got to be an incredible feeling, not only for the D'Antonio family, but for everyone that's part of the Michigan State family because I know everyone is just super excited of all the hard work he has put in, and it's paying off. Absolutely. I mean, when we came here seven years ago, my husband said that his goal was to win a Big Ten championship. And, you know, we've been able to be a part of that. We've been legend champs twice and now our third time. And so just to be able to um, go out and uh, win this game and beat Ohio State and have it be just undisputed that we were a Big Ten champs and be able to go to the Rose Bowl is just so exciting. It hasn't been done in a really, really long time. And I know the Spartan fans have been patient with us, and we appreciate that. And we are just so happy and so proud to be the ones to be able to take the Spartans back to Pasadena. Now, Mrs. D'Antonio, the beginning of the season was a little trying on Coach D and the entire Spartan football team uh, with the booing of the quarterbacks and the overall down attitude towards the team. Uh, now, did Coach D put a lot of that pressure on himself, or did he was he fairly confident that he'd be able to turn or just go on the upward trajectory that they ended up going on? You know, I, I think he always had confidence in this team. I think I've told him many times this season, I think he's done one of his best coaching jobs because we went in this season, um, you know, hoping that Andrew Maxwell was going to be the quarterback, and it was just opened up, and uh, Connor Cook really stood, stood up and kind of took that position, and he's just done a fantastic job for us. And um, But, you know, Andrew Maxwell has just been such a great leader still for our football team. But we still didn't know, you know, who our quarterback was going to be. We didn't know really who our running back was going to be. And it's just amazing how Jeremy just stood up and really took that role. And really, I even felt like, you know, kind of who are those two receivers and who is going to get the job done. And we had so many guys step up and were able to do that and just really make great catches that um, were just phenomenal and just made such a big difference. And we knew we were going to have a good defense. We have for years. But it was just nice to think that the um, – Offense just made so much improvement from the beginning of the season. I just feel like we're playing our best football right now. Now, with all that uncertainty at the beginning of the year, how much better does that make, uh, first of all, Coach D being named uh, Big Ten Coach of the Year and then the Big Ten Championship? 
Well, I, like I said, I, I personally think that he did. You know, maybe his one of his best shots of coaching, just because he had a lot of things that um, that had to be sorted out. And um, we just have an amazing coaching staff, and every single coach just, just did such a great job. And Brad Salem stepped in this year and took over the quarterback, and he just developed Connor Cook, which was just phenomenal to me. I mean, he was selected second team, um, all Big Ten quarterback, and that's just phenomenal. So. You know, he, he lost out to Braxton Miller as the number one pick, and I really feel like on Saturday, Connor Cook was a better quarterback, and I just think that that's so amazing, you know, for, for Connor, for our whole football team, for our offense, and just the confidence that we have going into the Rose Bowl. So, Mrs. D'Antonio, I like to compare Tom Izzo and Coach D in their demeanor on the court. You know, they put a lot of pressure on themselves. They expect to win. They don't smile too often. And uh, Coach D's health troubles because of the stress that he puts on himself have been well documented, obviously. How is it being his wife and seeing him out there? Do you get worried a lot when he's uh, stressed out? You know, I really don't because I think that, um, you know, he tries to control everything he can. He's, um, he's a very healthy person, and he eats right, and he exercises daily, and he takes care of himself. You know, the one thing that he can't control in life a lot is stress. And, yes, he's got a lot of stress on his job. But you know what? He loves what he does, and he loves coaching, and he loves the game day atmosphere. So uh, it was very stressful to me. I don't know if it's stressful to him, but because he loves it so much, and by the time he gets to the game, he's really pretty prepared for what's going to happen that day. And so um, I don't worry about his health. I don't think he worries about his health at all. You know, mm-hmm. he's just he's doing what he loves, and uh, that makes me happy. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, Miss Antonio. Congratulations on such a big win for your husband and the entire family. Uh, my question for you is: What is your relationship like with the players off the field? Do you bring a closer bond? You know, as the wife of Miss Antonio, are you there more often? Are you not? Do you have the players over at your home? What is it like? What is that community atmosphere like? Well, you know what? It's awesome getting to know our players and. So many times, you know, the public doesn't get to know what really awesome people they are. They get to see what good football players they are, but they don't get to know about their lives and their family lives and just everything that they contribute to our community. In fact, Mark and I right now are down in Charlotte, North Carolina, and um, Quez Denard is up for um, the best defensive player in the country. So we're down here um, at the banquet right now, and we're hoping that he's going to win that award tonight because we would think he is the best defensive player in the country with the number one defense behind him. And so, you know, it is important for us to, for me, to spend time with them away from the field and just to get to know them as people. And they're just, you know, they're amazing. I mean, it's just so much fun to be down here with Buzz right now and celebrating in all of his success. And tomorrow we'll be in New York City with Max Bola. He's up for an amazing award. So this is the fun stuff for me is just spending time with them away from the football field. I love watching them play, but it's really fun, too, just, just being with them and supporting them and um, just enjoying in their accomplishments. Absolutely. So you have to make sure to give a special good luck, congratulations, regarding you know, whether or not Mr. Nard gets the award from the pack. Okay. Um, so my second question for you is, is, do you have any favorite players from years prior <laughs> that just made a special impact on you individually, Some, somebody that well, you made a special connection you know, with? All, you, by the time they're seniors, you love all of them. I mean, they're really pretty amazing, and we've just been blessed to have some great players on our team. And, you know, right now I'm just uh, I'm crazy about our captains. I think they're, you know, they're all amazing. 
as most people know, it's been well documented. Blake Treadwell is our godson, and we've known him before he was born. In fact, um, Coach D introduced um, his parents, so we feel like we have a little bit of stake in him. So, of course, Blake Treadwell is at the top of my list, but, you know, I love Max Bula. He's an amazing, um, strong player who just perseveres and on and off the field. He's really smart and just a really, you know, a great person to be around. And I already mentioned Quez, how much I love him. And, you know, there's just so many great kids on our football team that have just made such an impact on my life, in my husband's life. And um, it's really cliche to say, but so many of them are my favorites. And <laughs> any, any, any one of them that I spend time with and get to know better, I just, you know, I just love. They're good people. They're great students. And they want to make a difference in our community and, Hopefully they'll get their degrees and go back and make differences in their own community. So I really love them all. But those three, I guess, I'd put it, you know, up there on my list right now. So, but they're all pretty special. Mrs. Antonio, it's Faith here with you. Thank you so much for calling in. Um, we want to say congratulations on your Big Ten championship as well as going to the Rose Bowl. So, thank you so much, Faith. I appreciate it. And thanks for having me on. And, um, I hope that all the Spartan fans will be able to get out to the Rose Bowl. I I hear flights and tickets are going quick, but I know there's still stuff available. So it would just be great if everyone came out and supported this. Absolutely. It's a long time, and um, I think that we're going to represent Michigan State football well out of Pasadena. Of course. All right, I have a few questions for you. Um, one of them definitely is, you know, you've given MSU so much to be proud of. But I do want to ask, after the win, the students were caught creating riots and burning couches and different things, but that's mostly due to show their excitement. But what are your thoughts on this? Well, um, obviously I wasn't in town. We were down in Indianapolis, and, of course, we were getting tweets and um, different news coverage that what was happening in town. And, um, you know, it's disappointing because I just, I'm all for people celebrating and having a good time. I just, you know, I just hate to see anybody get hurt or property be damaged and, um, you know, it's just it's disappointing that it happened, and I just uh, I wish we could find a positive way to celebrate. But um, you know, I, I'm thankful that nobody was hurt. At least that's what I heard. I hope that that's correct. Absolutely. I know off air the pact here was talking about how to celebrate properly, and obviously it wasn't a good demonstration of that. But lastly, I just want to ask: We've seen Coach D recently show off his dance moves in the locker room after that big win. Has he yeah. always had these dance moves? <laughs> what did you say? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear that. Has he always had these dance moves? <laughs> oh, well, if you saw his dance moves, you know he doesn't have many dance moves. <laughs> but, um, he, you know, he he started that tradition this year, and um, I've got to tell you, I've witnessed it several times, and it is a blast. <laughs> it, those guys just love it, and, um, you know, we were going to pick different songs every week, and they stuck with one of those songs I wasn't familiar with, but now I know it, and... Um, <laughs> You know, they just get out there and they just kind of let loose. And I think that that's one really fun way to, to celebrate in a positive way, just to be with your friends and your teammates and your love your loved ones and just, you know, turn up the music and dance and you know, just have a good time and celebrate. So it's been really fun. Do I think Mark's a great dancer? I think he's, a, I think he's awesome at many things. I don't know if dancing is one of them, but you know what? He has fun and... You know, he likes swinging those hips after we win. So I was happy to see him do that. And I know it's a lot of fun for him, too. We definitely enjoyed seeing him in the locker room. And congratulations again, and good luck. 
Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You guys have a great night, and thanks for having me. Thank you, Mrs. D. Have a great night. Thank you so much, guys. Go green. Go, Go white. white. Go white is right, I'll tell you. Well, thank you for tuning in this evening. Rafino, Faith, Harry, Austin, myself, and the everyone here at The Impact, we wish you a safe and happy new year. Thank you.